A quick content warning about today's episode. We got off topic a bit, and between about the 10 minute mark and the 15 minute mark, there's some talk about experimentation on animals, including some cases of cruelty. It's nothing graphic, but it still might upset some listeners. If you want to skip that, we move on to human experimentation at the 15 minute mark. Or if you prefer, we get back on topic at about the 25 minute mark. you to stop using the phrase bad trip um just because you can learn anything from from even bad experiences right i i've heard you know there's no such thing as a bad trip just difficult experiences which is really euphemistic um, yeah so it, it's, it's like getting, getting like, arm broken is a is a is a rough experience yeah mm-hmm. right i would right, also right. call it a bad experience but <laughs> right but um i think i think more to the point is that like you can get every you can get something out of sometimes the most out of like the worst experiences that's been my experience uh lately and it's like so like the experience was fucking awful it was the worst thing ever but um so i'd call them like psychedelic crisis i suppose i don't know that's kind of like replacing everybody knows what a bad trip is um well and like not everybody knows what a psychedelic crisis is yeah right right right. but like you know that bad trips exist and i said like oh man my friend was having a psychedelic crisis and you'd be like (laughs) what the fuck does that mean? Sure. Right. And it'd be like bad trip. Right. But, um, but you can, you can pretty much always learn something from them. Another, another thing people say in the, um, I don't know, psychedelic world is like you, you, you don't always get the trip you want, but you always get the trip that you need. Oh my right. God. Which, which again is like, hippies. It, but, but, but <laughs> it, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it's probably actually really valuable to believe that whether it's true or not, because right. then you'll look for, um, what you can actually gain from the experience afterwards. So I, I mean, if I'm just being straight, I just say there's something to to be gained from it, like that experience, no matter how terrible it was. But if I were telling young people, I you know I might even consider lying to them and say like you always get the trip that you need, man. Like if you if you went through that, like you needed to go through that, dude. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like yeah, and it's it's hard to not sound like a ridiculous hippie when mm. saying something like that, but it might actually be more beneficial that way. Um, in a dark arts sort of way for those 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 aspiring rationalists out there that know what dark arts are but uh, so, <laughs> well, most of them <laughs> no, I think... uh, my understanding of them is basically whenever you're sacrificing epistemic rationality for the sake of instrumental right so it's like it's a good way you're, of putting it you're basically lying to yourself in order to well, get more done or to other people or to other people yeah. right um, it's, it's even more unethical when it's it you know, yeah, when it's other because you're deciding, your, right, 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 yeah. yeah. But when, when you're deciding, deciding for, for other people, yeah, yeah, right, right. So I don't know. Uh, the majority of my exper- experiences have been with uh, mushrooms. Not as, I've done acid a, like enough times where I feel like I know what I'm doing and I feel like I know what's there. Um, I haven't done like massive doses of acid though. Like I like I've done massive doses of mushrooms and like multiple times. So um, I feel like I know my way around that really well. You know, if you've done one psychedelic, you can kind of know your way around other ones, um, sort of, right? But but they're different drugs, right? Can you have psychedelic crises on mushrooms? Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so I yeah. mean, you can you can lose it on a lot of things, right? Gotcha. But, but yeah, for sure. I'd say until I had one, I like didn't really think it was possible. Yeah. Like because I went, I've gone like super insanely deep, and in like not the best place to do it, like 
if I had noticed people giving me funny looks or something like like that, right, it, it could have sent me into a bad spot. It just didn't, and it was you know all good, hmm. happy, wonderful. And then and then one time, <laughs> one time that wasn't the case. Hey, bud, I brought my cat today. In case, so if we ever say like, "Oh, hi, bud. Oh, hello. You're so cute." That it's it's to my cat. Yeah, I think we're um, basically in the episode now. Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, this is actually a good precursor. Like yeah. we're talking about drug experiences, which relate to spirituality in the sense that I think we'll be talking about it today. All right. So uh, for me, the, they're the same thing. Welcome to the really? Basin Conspiracy, everyone. We're not sure how long it's, we've been going so far. We'll figure it out in post. Well, welcome to the intro. Yes, no. I am Eniash. I'm Stephen, and I'm, we have with us. Uh, Katrina Jenkins, Cannonball, Bullington, Stanton, <laughs> something. I'll just your name keeps getting longer every time. Yeah, why not? Junior <laughs> Mad Dog. <laughs> just you can't you can't call yourself Mad Dog. The Mad Dog. I, people in high school literally dog. called me Mad Dog. What? Was, I, 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 what, what did you do in high I, school? Uh, I think I think my French teacher said it one time, uh, and for <laughs> like no reason at all, it stuck. It was You're like I bit the head off of really one bat, stupid, and all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> Like yeah, I'm basically the Secretary of Defense. You know, uh, what's that guy's name? The, Se- the Secretary of Defense now. Um, Bannon? No, wait. No. No, no, I know. I'm just kidding. Um, Mattis. He's like actually a really good dude. Like from uh, by all accounts, like people in the military love this guy. Like one of his uh, one of his nicknames was Mad Dog. Right? <laughs> I had no idea why, but um, the Warrior Monk. Is oh. another one, which is probably more. That's a pretty fucking cool. Right? Name. Yeah. No. Like he's he's like, really he's really one. well respected. Dan Carlin loves him, so oh, I love okay. him. Fair enough. Right. That's yeah. a good enough yeah. endorsement yeah. for me. I'm not. Yeah. Gonna... Anyway, I think Jenkins will do for the episode just because it's faster. Fewer <laughs> uh, yeah. syllables. And it is less syllables, and this way people will be familiar with you from before. Oh yeah, because that's what we called you then. And uh, we're talking about something that I'm not an expert on at all. So lest anybody think that I might be an expert and I'm here because I'm an expert. Why are uh, you here? Are you just here because you brought the kitten? Uh, Mostly, yeah. Okay. The the kitten is... The kitten is the closest we have to to spirituality. I wanted to see Steven interact with the kitten and it's been satisfying so far. So I'm a big fan of cats and kittens and all things small and fuzzy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's um, both of those things. Yes, he is. Uh, <laughs> so nowadays, when you talk about Japan, do you tell people about the seeing of the foxes and the chu- not chupacabra, capybara? <laughs> chupacabra. <laughs> that's one of those two. Man. That's how I remember it too. He's like, ah, he petted a chupacabra, but that's not a real thing. Yeah, it, it is. But I mean, it's it's like about the same ago. length. It has the same letters and more or less the same order. It's basically right, right. a chupacabra. Yeah. Honestly, I think the the ninety seconds I've been talking to you guys about it was the longest conversation I had about the trip. <laughs> Lord, um, no. When when I talked to him about Japan, he was like, "Eh, I really enjoyed the movies on the flight back." And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> That's something oh. an insane person says. <laughs> so that, that that particular line was because I knew it would piss off Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, All right, I went with a guy who who you know has been fanboying over Japan since he was a kid, and I kind of have been too. But I, I didn't come back as like crazy hyped as he did. So I like giving him a hard time by when people ask me how it was in front of him. I'd be like, meh, you know, four out of ten, whatever. Um, no, it was, Good it was call. fun. I, I got back like, what, two months ago? Yeah, it was a fine trip. I don't know what to say about it other than there were animals there. Uh, and, <laughs> oh, and my good, God. And good food. And that you loved the animals so much? <laughs> there, there, I mean, it was the animals. We were around them for like 45 minutes around the trip. And honestly, it was in a circumstance that I don't think would fly in the United States. Yeah. There yeah. were a lot of owls and mixed species. Oh. Yeah. So like part of me, I was like, man, these animals are probably not flourishing right now. But I was like, well, I'm already here and they're not so miserable that they're killing each other or themselves. So, you know, it can't be all bad. Seriously, it can't be that bad. They're in decent enough health and 
Yeah. Kept in okay conditions, right? Yeah. I mean, I assume. It just, like, I just had to look at, like, the quarters of, I don't know, there were 20 owls in a, a room about the size, of, but maybe 1.5 times the size of your living room. Okay. Plus, like, the Cadivara and a couple of other things. But, like, it just seemed crowded, and I was like, this is kind of a drag. Hmm. But, I mean, it was fine. Um, No, it was fun. I don't know what to say about it. It wasn't a spiritual experience for me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If it makes you feel better, I used to put down rats as, like, part of my job. After doing experiments on them, so you know it was ethical. Uh, but 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 like in all seriousness, like I I didn't like feel that bad knowing like okay it's either like rat in the wild get rips apart by an owl or some other sort of something or starve to death or freeze to death, you know or live a long life full. And <laughs> I I keep yeah. hearing those sorts of things, and I don't know if they really matter all that much. Like because whatever the last the last few minutes of your life are the least important anyway. You're nothing is going to be affected by them. Oh yeah, good you're, point. You're right. not going to be like scarred emotionally or whatever. Like as bad as dying is, and I'd rather have you know a not horrific pain death. Like if the rest of their life is pretty cool, like running around in the wild and sometimes finding food and sometimes not. Every now and then, like scoring with some hot rat chick or something. If that is a fulfilling life for a rat, then I don't think, you know, freezing to death or being torn apart by an owl in the last few minutes is really any price at all to pay. Well, freezing to death, I think, precludes, like, having a really, really rough time for a long time. Like, if you're freezing to death, you're alive for a while and just, like, really struggling for for an extended period of time. Um, I don't know, unless it's flash frozen or yeah something. like your last hours or days are spent with you desperately trying to yeah, find warmth like, and food right? Yeah, right that sounds like so. a that sounds like a shitty way to go mm-hmm. but the but, i mean i don't know how much the the rats flourished being in a lab but it's the it's depending on what you're doing it's a small price to pay for progress so yeah right um no yeah i, I thought it was justified it's totally so. worth it for the human progress yes yeah. well like it also depends what they're doing i got through half of peter singer's uh all animals are equal when i was like 17 or 18 maybe i don't know i have such in that, in that time range objections to that title but go on <laughs> i don't know if he chose it or not but i think that's probably so, uh, he did it. well so yeah, yeah i mean well yeah he, singer also has just a great habit of um, deliberately being provocative. Um, he wrote an essay defending bestiality called Heavy Petting. Um, so, yeah, very... And I, I don't think he's pro-bestiality. What he is is pro-challenging your intuitions and making you, like, actually articulate a defense. Yeah. Um, in All Animals Are Equal, just like every other philosophy book I've read, the primary argument's made in, like, the first 20 pages, and the next 300 are just backing up the argument if you're not already sold. And so he talks a lot about the experiments done on, on animals over the last 30 or 50 years. This book was published in the 70s. Almost all of them are super pointless. It was just like, I wonder how much of this it takes to kill rats. I wonder how much of this it takes to kill rats. I wonder if, you know, if you electrocute them enough, if they get sad. Like, stuff that uh, I think was paraphrased, like, either you can learn nothing useful from it, in, ca- in which case, what's the fucking point? Or rather, you can learn, th- learn nothing useful from it that helps humanity. Um, or they're similar enough to us in that you can learn useful stuff, in which case, this is like a now an ethical nightmare, Right. Mm-hmm. You know, if they sep- if they experience a ton of separation anxiety watching their babies get electrocuted to death in front of them, <laughs> wow, <laughs> it's very funny, right? No, you guys were laughing at the cat. No, uh, well, and no, I was I was laughing at that because that's fucked up. It is fucked up, and this is the kind I mean, of insane like, shit that they've done to rats, dogs, everything that you know. I mean, chi- I mean, uh, acquiring an LD fifty is pretty important for a lot of chemicals, right? Just is it important to know what the LD fifty is for rats? Like, well, yeah, for example, you, it, it like gives... a rat's kind of a scaled down human in a lot of ways. But in, I mean. Like, enough ways where uh, yeah and no, also like a, it's a good analog and in, establishing analog that a rat does get upset when its children are electrocuted in front of it <laughs> at least you 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 figure out now that rats may have some more 
moral worth because they are able to understand that these are my children and they are not happy and that makes me unhappy and so like otherwise how would we know that they aren't just meat robots right well i think what he what his complaint was that people didn't take a lesson from it they're just like oh okay so they do suffer all right let's keep doing weird shit to them so like i i could get behind doing uh animal experimentation even on like great apes to the extent that you do the experiments that you need to do while they're as comfortable as they can be Mm -hmm. and you don't and you know you you treat them great when they're not being experimented on there's um, a whole field of bioethics. Yeah, people, and, are, so and it like, wasn't it wasn't really a thing in the 70s when this book was written. Oh, okay. So yeah, All right. that, um, that makes sense. Yeah, he that he, was 40 years ago now. Yeah, 70s were 40 years ago. Right. Yeah, we've hey, come guys, a long way. Feel old now. And now it's Speaking gotten to the point where you can't ethically ask people questions. What? Yeah, well, did you not read um, Scott Alexander's thing about how he tried to run a, a survey once? Man, I haven't tried. <laughs> I I haven't been keeping up with. Uh, SSC for oh a while. Oh my god, yeah. it was fantastic. I want to was... get into that in one second, but I want to okay. drop a quick tidbit about Japan, that they haven't really had their animal rights movement over there yet. Uh-huh. And I think it's something like 4, maybe 7% of the population is vegetarian. So as a result, vegetarian options are very hard to come by. And there's... I think that's why you can have places like this kind of sad petting zoo, where they had this sort of thing, because no one really cares over there. Yeah. Anyway, fun tidbit. Um, Alright, so when was... when was What's this SSC? Oh, well, he basically wanted to um, add a questionnaire to some of the people that were uh, being taken in at his his mental hospital. I, th- I think it was just the the psychiatric ward of a otherwise... of a general hospital. Mm-hmm. Basically, after three years of struggling or two years of struggling with the ethics board, was unable to do it because it could be too traumatizing to ask uh, people these questions and they were simple intake questions that actually get asked all the time anyway but you couldn't write down their answers yeah without violating their rights and shit and eventually was like well fuck it i am done i've spent two years trying to do a simple little research project and i can't fucking do it what questions were these dude i'll i'll have to link the post but it was the most basic shit like have you been sad in the last two weeks? I mean, it was it was really ridiculous, easy crap. And uh, part of the problem being that they're not really sure what the guidelines are, and so they are as as cautious as possible. And it just it was it was horrific. So I did exactly. I, I guess horrific is a bad term considering we were just talking about shocking babies. <laughs> it, it was it was ridiculous and disheartening, and I don't see how any research gets done ever. Um, regarding the shocking babies thing, I might be misremembering the specifics, but they definitely, you know, did things to figure out what makes them sad. And is it, you know, do they experience empathy when their like siblings get tortured or something like that? Those I still were definitely think it's things. a legit thing to find out. But to what end? Well, first of all, to know if we should care about them and maybe figure out when empathy evolved in the Malian line and. It could be interesting to know that. I could see it being interesting to know if lessons were drawn from it and we, we adjusted behavior accordingly. The fact that it took us decades after those findings to adjust is kind of a drag. I mean, if um, they keep redoing the experiment every few weeks, then I can uh, I can see how that may just be sadism. Sure. And it might be really interesting to know, like, if you chop the arm off of one twin, if the other identical twin notices. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yes. <laughs> As an identical twin, I, I, I would like to say that I don't want to submit to that research. Well, no, no. That's why we do that research on identical twin rats. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if the other one starts limping. Yeah. Um, or if you're Mengele, you do it, you know, to people. Um, Wait, what? This was some of the crazy shit they did to the... Uh, Jewish captives and the uh, Holocaust. They would cut the limbs off one twin. They did like sit- really awful twin experiments. Yeah. Fuck. yeah. I don't. What, do you remember the name of the scientist guy that was like the head of all that? Tetsuki? 
Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. No, no, no. Tuskegee was uh, the oh, United no. States syphilis experiment. I don't know anything. No, wait. Uh, then I'm thinking... Um, <laughs> Oops, that does not sound right. Man, I am just no, lowering my opinion of Nazis every day. <laughs> Who knew <laughs> Nazis could be so evil? <laughs> Turns out those guys suck, maybe, right? Um, so they, they treated humans like rats. And I was like, this will be interesting to find out, right? And, you know, I guess. Yeah, sure. But, you know... Um, and I'm not saying that there's an equivalency, but there's there's question. Should the research be destroyed? Uh, no. I mean, it's too late now, obviously. No, yeah. But when they first got the research, should they have to destroyed it immediately rather than? I vote no. It, I mean, it, at the very least, it's done. If there was anything useful to learn, mm-hmm. then it's worth keeping around because we don't want to have to find out again, right? Because uh, we don't want to have to experiment to find out I again. I, I I figure so. Like the the downside is like people that were like one or two steps away from that could just like still be horrified or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I suppose it, it should be like at the very least, like locked in a vault for, for a while until it's like everybody, everybody agrees like, okay, we're not going to cry because our great, 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 great grandfathers were tortured or something like that. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe if there was like centuries down the line, then unlock it. I, I, it really depends. Like, I don't know. Cause um, I mean, like, like Stephen said that, the damage is already done and it feels I mean, yeah. awful that there's nothing that's being gotten from it. But fucking I, and when I read Leviathan Mikes, they made this point that if you just accept the research, then basically the researcher has won. He's contributed to the human body of knowledge, which was what he was trying to do. And it, it's, it's an incentive for other people to keep doing that in the future, especially if they're willing to, you know, take prison time or, whatever else the consequences may be in order to make this mark on humanity, the only way to keep them from from gaining the advantage is just destroy the data. Or, and that'll stop people from doing that in the future. If they know that even if they get all this data and people are like, well, the damage is already done. It's like, no, fuck it. This data is being destroyed anyway. And so don't bother doing it in the first place. Or you could blast their name from all the publishings and say this was found out by somebody who history will forget because they were a dickbag. And then that person doesn't get any credit for forever, right? Yeah. Um, then the, the knowledge is out there, but no one get, they don't they don't get to be the person who made those discoveries. They're already like going against a bunch of societal rules at that point anyway. I don't think if war crimes isn't a strong enough like deterrent, right? Like you know, he'll you'll you'll go to prison forever in an international prison, you know, uh, or however they do that. Um, like if that's not a deterrent, I I don't think so, especially not in the age of the internet when. You can get your data out immediately to everybody. It would be that, yeah, much right. harder nowadays. I, how to, are you gonna? But if like if they the didn't put it on the internet, if it was yeah, some guy in his you know. But like if that's his goal, then he's gonna get it on the internet. It's going to be like so yeah. unless you intercept him first and destroy the data. Like yeah. I, I know it's un- extremely unlikely to happen nowadays. But if it had happened, if we were the guys making the decision back then, I kind of think it would have been the best deal just to destroy it. Mm-hmm. I can see the, the the benefit of that. My my initial response was kind of knee jerk, and I'm considering your guys' points that the fallout, especially for like, you know, if it, if it was my grandmother that got tortured, and I was reading about like, oh, it turns out that I'm trying to think of some of the other insane shit they did to people. See, I'm the other way around, and I, I was actually my initial answer was the same as yours. I mean, the people are already dead. We might as we shouldn't you let that data go to waste, but. I am more on your side if it was my grandmother or even me. Like, if I went through all this and lost a limb and everything, I would want the data to be used for something. But, like, as a more objective outside person, I'd be like, no, I'm sorry. That'll just encourage this sort of behavior in the future. We're going to destroy this data. And I'm sorry that you lost your limb. I suppose that's, like, such a small 
I expect that to be like a really small portion of their motivation um, is like they want to know themselves a lot of the time. Um, I, I wouldn't expect that to be like such a large portion of the the motivation that like, oh no, other people might not know mm-hmm. that I did, did this research. I would like, I think it's, well, you've, you've, again, I think it's, I think it's a much smaller deterrent than all of the other deterrents that are already there. You're that, working in research, you know, right? Yeah. Isn't I no longer kill rats though. I well, right. But yeah. isn't, isn't the point to gain more knowledge? Sometimes. Okay. Sometimes <laughs> it's just for fun and curiosity, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, so, uh, for me personally, I'd like to develop something that works, um, that can then be used. Right, and so, so like, if it's your not data, necessarily more knowledge, it's more capabilities. If right? your data made it so that this thing that you want to be working and usable was more likely to be working and usable more fast than objective partially achieve, achieved, yeah, I guess so. But still, but, <laughs> you don't but give again, that many like, fucks. Like, like every every scientist I know has like moral objections to that sort of thing. Um, like you're you're talking about like you have this huge deterrent of like, oh no, then I'd be evil. Like, oh no, then I'd be punished horribly, right? If like, all of these other things, like my name would be trampled, my reputation would be be destroyed, right? And then like, I I feel like normal base human sort of uh, uh, thing, like the, uh, my data might not be distributed is like number like eight or nine on the list of like why I shouldn't do this, (laughs) right? But, I suppose if you're crazy, if, like if you really are like a crazy person, but like the, I don't, I don't think of like the people that were doing that as uh, like totally crazy people. I think no, I mean they were working right? within yeah, the system. Yeah, so but you'd have to be damaged to do that kind of thing to another person. You'd have to, you'd some some yeah. sort of, you'd have some you'd, sort of psychological damage to to look yes, at a person kind of screaming I mean, saying please don't be I like don't know. I'm gonna do it anyway. My parents didn't have any problem strapping me down and cutting off a piece of my dick when I was a tiny uh, right, like, right. baby. So like, yeah, but they didn't they didn't do it. I, they, they didn't do it because it, right? they were like no, oh it'll happen. Out of malice. Yeah, and they, right. they also didn't do it out of no. curiosity. They did it because no. they thought it was good for you. Well, right? I mean, the, yeah. the Nazis probably didn't. Well, most of them probably didn't do out of malice either. They were like, "By the way, I'm are... circumcised." Sorry. I, I understood where you were getting at. <laughs> Sorry, the public people. That's, now we all have to visualize weird, your yeah. dick. Hold on, give us a second. Nobody knows who I am. I'm using a pseudonym. All right. Well, I can visualize your dick because right. I know who you are. All right. Do, do, you, have, do you have a mental microscope? Yeah. I'm kidding. Oh, dude. Go with yeah. Small dick jokes. Classic. No, but I mean, for for Nazis, it was probably a lot like working on rats or or dogs or something. You what know? I'm saying it's is like you, you have humans. You have to have some psychological damage, I think, to have distance between other humans so and, I, and that. My point is, like, they were working, yeah, they were working within some sort of system. I don't think it's necessarily psychological damage. I think they could just be treated in a certain way. Do you um, think it would be rewarding to system? in a certain way. What? Do you think it would be rewarding the system to let the... The, the system? Yeah, to let the That data system? Stay? Yeah, I suppose so, but, like, it, it, once Sisters you get to that point, destroyed. you've already destroyed the Nazis, yeah. right? right? So, like, the Nazis aren't coming... Uh, sorry, they're not really coming back. They're not back really anymore. coming back <laughs> right. in Germany the way it was in the 1930s, right? As far as I can tell, yes. The I Nazi hope. Party is not in power. Yeah. So, what were we here to talk about again? Fuck, I don't know, dude. No. <laughs> so, I wanted I don't, 20 minutes ago when when you mentioned that you weren't an expert on this sort of stuff. Oh, you I, said yeah. I want to I want to say two things. One, that this might be uh, something that's worth articulating on the on the air because I've said this in private, but. 
when you bring on guests, it's not always... Like, if they're like an expert, we'll mention that in their intro. For the most part, we bring on somebody who knows more than us, me and Inyash, and that's not hard. So like, <laughs> we bring on somebody who can, who can you know, guide and lead the conversation a bit, even if they're mid-level and we're entry-level, right? And being good um, on a microphone is also something which I have discovered as a skill, which <laughs> I didn't realize. Like some people just right away freeze up and be like, oh God, oh God, microphone, what's going on? And like Jenkins is like, yeah, I'm just here to bullshit with you guys. Yeah, yeah I mean, works. I just mentioned circumcision off. Right, right. So that's, yeah. yeah. My brothers are going to make fun of me for that. What? Are they not circumcised? No, they'll make fun of me for bringing it up because oh. they know that it still makes me upset and that that's uh, pathetic. Right? Uh, like, I, I don't think it's pathetic. I'm a little bummed. Yeah, I'm right, understanding no, is, that, right. is that sex is less fun but than like, it would it's be. It's kind right? of pathetic. Like, like on, on the one hand, that like I'm still preoccupied about it enough to like say it on microphone. That, that That's the part. If you're preoccupied but, enough to yeah. like talk about it for five hours a week maybe maybe but it'll help discourage I, i'm up to parents. like six or seven <laughs> no. maybe it'll help discourage people in the future or parents in the future from getting their kids circumcised yeah, i hope so if you're still like look dude fucking i'm in this old and i'm still pissed about it so don't do this to your kids yeah 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 if i had kids i wouldn't circumcise <laughs> if i had a male son i wouldn't circumcise him unless it was medically necessary in which case fine well, yeah of course but, but i'm not gonna do cosmetic right. surgery on my baby right um i'm just so, gonna tattoo their forehead yeah Ooh, which like, with what your name property no, I, of the, whatever religion i'm a part of by that time right uh-huh. like that's okay but are you it, you're yeah. planning on joining a religion i'll probably make one that's everybody's plan right no no, no it isn't no. <laughs> you can just everyone stops and thinks what yeah, is my like, plan mm, oh god i have no, no plan yeah. so the second part in the spirituality thing is that you brought more books than i own on the subject so oh, you could you could just tattoo on on your baby's not head. Even really, uh, we never actually officially introduced the topic. We d- we we did we tried to for about thirty seconds, sort of. Yeah, yeah. I guess like apparently, apparently our we were talking about spirituality. Yeah, our no. spirituality and ritual. But we're having uh, fun. That's cool. Episode got more on ritual than spirituality, and so there was some desire to talk more about spirituality. That's right. The okay. last episode we got really hung up on a couple things, especially about I still don't really know what a ritual is. So yeah, that that goal was going to be kind of a hybrid, and then it got distracted by. Me not understanding ritual and um, us not explaining it or tabooing it. Tabooing would have been important. We forgot that skill all too late. Mm-hmm. Something about your art of your art of rationalist fails you when you most need it, mm-hmm. and we, we wasted a conversation to your guys's uh, detriment. I don't think the ta- conversation was entirely wasted, but no, it was fun. It would have been better if we yeah remember to taboo that early on. Also, a thirty-minute digression on witchcraft, so um, <laughs> which I which I don't regret having. Yeah, so, that was interesting. Yeah. Anyway, so this one I. We've, we, I think in one of our earliest episodes, we talked briefly about um, like spiritual experiences in the context of non-religion, right? I don't know your earliest. Ep- well, no, I think I've listened to pretty much all of your episodes at one point. Th- there have been a couple where I was too upset with the audio, so I, I, sh- I skipped to the next one. But, okay. Man, um, our audio did used to be I'm much so bad. I'm so sorry. More no, right. no, yeah. that's, that's very understandable. It was actually the Yudkowsky one, and I was oh, I, it, like, okay. so... Oh, so you didn't... I, I should probably go back to it, but... You didn't listen to the one with uh, Robert last week, then, did you? I, no, I did. Actually. That one, that yeah, one was rough. I, I just finished that earlier today. Yeah. yeah. But, was, but, was but that, that was fine. worse than the Yudkowsky one? What's up? Was that worse than the Yudkowsky one? I think one? so. So yeah. much worse. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. I want you to try... You have the raw audio. Listen to that, and then... Then listen to the good stuff or to the edited stuff, and then come on the next episode and say, "Remember how bad that one was? You should have heard the raw version because Stephen worked really hard to make it sound as bad as it did." Um, <laughs> we appreciate your sacrifice. Yeah, it was. I'm sorry, everyone had. To, I appreciate the sacrifice for everyone who listened to it. Um, it was a great conversation, but yeah. it was just hard to hear. Um, anyway, so this was a fun conversation because I think that spirituality has been bogarted by religious contexts. Uh, or it might even be fair to say that like they own it and we're trying to like salvage part of it for ourselves, right? Yeah. 
the conversation we were having kind of before we introduced the show was about psychedelic drugs. See, I and feel weird that every time we bring up psych- spirituality, drugs come into play. I'm like, that's they're, that's not all there the is. the same thing. <laughs> I, no, I, th- it's, not, it's not all there is, but... Like, I've th- had a ton of spiritual experiences, especially when I was much younger, and they never involved any drugs at all. They don't have to. Right. But I think I think... One way to put it is that, like, uh, if you take wrong, if you take 300 micrograms of LSD, you're going to have, I think, what Jenkins and I would describe as a spiritual experience. How many is 300 micrograms? Uh, three hits. Because I had two it and really a half, depends. and I had not a spiritual experience. I so, had a fun experience, but yeah. certainly not a spiritual one. If you're of Inyash's size, build, and tolerance, <laughs> and you have 500 micrograms, <laughs> right. um, you will you will have an experience that you will have. I don't know. You listen. You you read the accounts of people who've had religious experience and spiritual experiences in in history or in contemporary books, and you're like, yeah, I totally see what you guys are talking about. Not that I believe what you you know. It's one thing to like have a crazy experience and say, yep. That was pretty cool. I had a great time. I feel like I learned a lot about myself. It's a huge misstep to say, and now I know facts about nature that I didn't know before. Um, so, like, it's one thing to, like, Francis Collins, the, uh, I don't know if he's still the director of the NIH or not, but he was a few years ago, mm-hmm. um, wrote that book about his coming to coming to terms with Christianity, and he described, you know, like... He saw the triple waterfall, right? Exactly. Yeah, he saw the waterfall, the waterfall frozen into three... Uh, three streams, which spoke to him of the tr- the Trinity of Christianity, which just and he fell to his knees. That shit, when you hear it, it does. But and there it, must have been something going on in his sense. brain right at that point. I, like it kind of, no, I, he had a really powerful, like powerful, powerful experience, yeah. and that was the context in which he decided to slap onto it, and it came ready made, and it worked for him. I I've guess. had powerful experiences yeah. before too, but I was able to say to myself, this is a normal thing that humans experience, and it doesn't mean that a crazy bullshit God exists. Well, so Those weren't the words exactly that I used. I'm, like, using that now. But but I was able to, you know, power through it, I guess, and say, yes, this is, this is a spiritual thing I'm feeling, but it has no impact on whether magic exists, you know? Mm. Well, and I've talked to people who are religious who've had similar experiences, and they just they interpret it through that context. They say that experience was profound and insane. That must have been the divinity talking to me. Right. Which um, I agree, it's a misstep, but yeah. I think it's an understandable misstep if that's the lens that you're viewing your universe through, anyway, right? Well, yeah, they kind of have the monopoly on like all spiritual speak, right? Because it's it's really hard to talk about it without sounding like a froofy idiot. Yeah. And we need to introduce some sort of rationalist shamanism. More like this yeah, is your experience, dude. And, <laughs> and you know this is your spiritual experience, I, and this is how I they just, work. And you, this is not yeah. not has nothing to do with spiritual beings existing. Yes, you, um, I guess you did just say yeah, everyone wants to say create everybody wants to start fuck. their own religion. So <laughs> there you go. But I don't want to start a religion. I just want people to be able to interpret these experiences in ways that don't leave them like coming to you want Jesus. them to interpret them the you know closer to the way you interpret them oh, y- yes <laughs> thank you yes <laughs> i am so the rightful wanna, caliph you, now. i'm right, throwing my right, hat right, in that right. ring there you go cool, no, cool. That's, that's what i thought i am not big enough to run with those dogs mm. but uh not yet i jesus uh but no i had a friend of a friend i guess briefly my friend too but we we fell out of contact pretty quickly where uh he was an atheist and then he took a bunch of shrooms for the first time and he saw jesus and after that he was a christian and i'm like what that's weird that's interesting and i was like you you did drugs and he's like yeah i know i i I realized (laughs) i was doing drugs i still realize it was just the drugs but uh yeah i found god that's the drugs was what i needed and i was like 
okay, I don't know how to argue with that. So, <laughs> so he found Christianity. He didn't that, find God in generic. Yeah, yeah, literally Christianity. Okay, so that's I mean, it was a very liberal, light sure. sort of Christian. So, like, I have a friend who, uh, well, I know a guy. I guess I haven't talked to him in years, but he wasn't. He, I guess, is still an ex-Mormon, and you know, he was fully on like the I'm not a religious person. And I can't remember if it was LSD or DMT that he took, but he was like, yeah, I, I can't resolve what i saw other than to say that there's something out there that's greater than us and i'm going to call that thing god and i'm like don't you feel like that's at like at best like deliberately like misleading yeah can't yeah. you just say like you know a greater force which i still you I know mean, the moon is out there <laughs> definitely greater than me <laughs> not calling but, it god um yeah it was interesting because and he was coming from like he had come out of religion into it into a non-religious sense and then he didn't go back to mormonism but he was like yeah man where there's something behind the universe and uh, I guess I haven't taken enough drugs, but I don't. I would like to think that my grip on my perception of reality wouldn't change enough to where I would say. Well, I uh, I personally feel like I'm immune to that because I used to believe that like wholeheartedly. You know, I had actual spiritual experiences when I was a kid, and I don't see how I could possibly go back to that. So can you describe the quality of them, and or I mean, like like what exactly can like do you remember any of them specifically? And well, what yeah, they, I mean, okay, what they so felt like and looked like, and, and this one is going to be childish because okay. I, I was a child. Most at the time. of them are. Yeah. Okay. Well. All right. No. I, I mean, regardless, yeah, not yeah, on yeah. disregardlessly. And you can't describe them without sounding like an idiot most of the time. Yeah. Like, like it's really or or like a pretentious douche. Like it's walking that line is pretty impossible i've found so you just have to embrace one of them i was in my bedroom in my bed and i was scared of basically monsters under my bed right except it wasn't monsters it was literally satan because that was right. what i was taught satan, satan was lived in my head me. until i was like 20 and i stopped oh. believing like when i was 12 so okay i'm still a little bitter about that i want to know more about that in just a second <laughs> but yeah basically i was i was just terrified and full of fear because you are was when you're a mm-hmm. kid and you're in a dark room and you don't know what's around and so i started asking god for help and to protect me and he was like yeah i got you bro mm-hmm. and it just it was reassuring and safe and empowering and it was it was great to have god on my side like that i think that's why the hell component is so great for the mimetic fitness of religions Right. Because if you just promise like, yeah, things, you know, no matter what you do, things are going to be great. And, you know, God's got your back. That just is this gentle reassurance. But if you say if you don't believe in this and then things are going to get really, really bad for you, like so much worse than you could ever possibly imagine, then you're really on board to like buy into it wholeheartedly and tell everybody about it. Right. I mean, I guess I don't think it's necessary because the Jehovah's Witnesses didn't have a hell. I was just terrified of Satan. So they have a Satan, but not a hell. Yeah. Okay, see, I don't know a lot about Jehovah's Witnesses. So what's what's the fear of Satan if he's not going to send you to hell? Well, you know, he's going to corrupt your soul so you won't be saved. So then what's what's not saved in Jehovah's Witnesses? Just uh, oh, 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 right, okay. So yes, if you die as a good Jehovah's Witness, then you will be brought back to life after Armageddon, and you get to live in perfect health for all eternity on a beautiful paradise earth where everyone is happy and bad things don't happen. And what if you're not it's, a good it's Jehovah's It's basically w- a transhumanist right. future. And if you're not a Jehovah's Witness, you just don't get brought back? Yeah. Oh, that doesn't dead. sound. That doesn't sound so bad. Oh, so you had the concept I, you get of to like, be dead, which sucks. That does suck, but it's okay. it's better. It's it's certain. Maybe it's that's why Jehovah's being tortured forever. But Jehovah's Witness other people isn't, don't believe in death. Like, I mean, like death doesn't exist. It's just your spirit moves on to. Yeah, yeah. No, that was know, that was one, one of the zero, harder recruiting right? parts of Jehovah's Witnessism. <laughs> yeah, is that death it, is a real thing? Yeah, yeah. That yeah. The, that was a lot of people were like, 
that, that was a hard thing to get across. Weird. And actually, that doesn't actually, that's not contrary evidence to my position, though, because Jehovah's Witness is, is Jehovah's Witnessism. I don't know what's the word for that. Seventh day Adventism? No, is, no, no. That's a different that's thing. That's a different religion? Yeah. Yeah. I oh. mean, they're, they're related. They, they spawn off from the same movement. Oh, uh, okay. Well, but, so Jehovah's Witnessism isn't that big of a religion. And maybe because they don't true. have a hell component to scare people into believing it, right? Uh, okay. That could be. So, like, if, if, if mean, I'm at the door. have similar tactics and they got much bigger. Yeah, but they have a hell. Neither of them are proselytizing enough. I think is the main problem. Proselytizing enough? They're the ones who go door to door. Are you joking? Yeah. That was okay. A joke. Yeah. Sorry. I, <laughs> you did it with a very I, flat I, I demeanor. Word very wrong. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> Actually, do the Mormons have a hell? I don't know that much about the Mormon theology. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Uh, it's just, the, um, the way I've had it described to me is like most people still end up going to heaven, though. It, it's pretty rare. So that that's kind of how they deal with it. Because I I think it's more about the works they do than it is. Uh, you know whether your belief system or no, when i was a kid that's, it was all about whether you believed or not right that's where they so, can be uh baptized mm-hmm. post death yeah their works right right, right yeah and okay. that's why they do have the whole ancestor.com thing yeah yeah or ancestry or whatever while i'm while, so. while we're on the topic of post-death baptism mm-hmm. i think it'd be great if well might not be great for their physical safety but i think it'd be a great tactic to posthumously baptize every suicide bomber publicly what? and say for, as a Mormon, as like as like what? a Mormon church stance, that to, sounds like a great PR move by the Mormons. No, no, what it does is I think it might like to the extent that you believe in that sort of uh, voodoo, mm-hmm. um, that could deter suicide bombers from saying, "Well, fuck, I don't want to risk my soul being bogarted by the Mormons." <laughs> right? I don't. Th- I think the problem there is that no one who is if devout enough in their religion to be a suicide bomber would take the Mormon seriously. But they wouldn't they wouldn't take the threat of that sort of thing and purifying their their No, they'd soul. be like, God is totally looking out for me. I just killed myself for okay. the faith. There's Fair enough. no way that the Mormon stupid little ritual is gonna overrule the will of God. Alright, well if it wouldn't work it would still be funny. So I stand yeah. I stand by it for that reason. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Let's consult Stephen for clever spiritual warfare. And for for funny fallbacks. Yeah. Best case scenario it works. Worst case scenario is just funny. <laughs> I don't see a downside. The the downside Side is then if like it did work and people started freaking out about it, they'd start non uh, self immolatingly destroying Mormon churches, whatever those are called, if they have a special name or not. I believe they're temples. Temples. Yeah, I mean um, the big ones are temples. So that'd be a, that'd be the downside, obviously. Where were we? Um, you were gonna tell us about Satan in your head. What? Oh, yeah. Uh, Satan lived in my head. I don't. I don't know. Like, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you can't so just drop that and be the, like, this... duh, duh. Don't you guys have that? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so I don't think I'm schizophrenic. Um, at least as far as I can tell, but like, you know, um, it, whenever my internal monologue was telling me to do something that I knew was bad, right. I, I characterize that as Satan. And I had a lot of like weird neuroses about him telling me to do bad things and that the, the, the intrusive thoughts is right, 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 a fa- yeah. fairly common thing. So, um, so what, did you stop attributing the intrusive thoughts to Satan or did you stop having intrusive thoughts? Little of both. I kind of just like looked up one day and I was like, oh yeah, I don't really think that anymore that's not that's not like a problem and it used to be like you know like a, a main aspect of my my psyche i don't maybe i am huh. schizophrenic or i was or something um i have this weird theory that like schizophrenia like mild schizophrenia is like really good to be like for uh like in a religious context right you're just like oh yeah it's like you're you're connecting with the divine, right? You don't recognize that part of your internal monologue as part of you because it's not a part of you. It's part of the spiritual realm interacting with your brain. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. And I feel like those are things that you can probably like train in and out of um, existence. Have you guys heard of tulpas? 
Yeah. Yeah, right, right, right. So that's basically like somebody giving themselves multiple personality disorder, right? Yeah, that's fucking terrifying. Yeah, right. It's it's a real so tulpas are basically like you you like train uh, like a, a new separate personality inside your brain that only you interact with. It's it sounds like a bunch of like 12-year-old edgelords doing this kind of shit when I read about it, but um Look, I don't have kids because I do not want to be responsible for another physical being. <laughs> now I have one in my head. Like, fuck. Well, yeah. I, that, that, sounds like, that sounds like they're just training themselves into like this sort of, uh, I'd argue, unhealthy behavior. Um, so I think you can probably do the same thing with you know voices in your head or whatever. Um, Maybe it's what and, a lot of people do with Jesus. Yeah, right. I that that's kind of my theory. I'm j- kind of just blowing smoke right now, but I I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like that's a super important thing. I feel like that's pretty common for people to feel like Satan is talking directly to them, hmm. um, or you know, for a lot of telling I, them to do bad things. Right? I is that not is that not a common thing? I, I just kind of assumed it was. I have I have three quick thoughts on that, and I'll mm-hmm. think I'll take them in mixed order. So, um, one, I think it is a very common thing, and it gets different names. I think if you're raised in a religious context, it could be, <clears throat> especially if you're told explicitly that bad thoughts are Satan trying to corrupt you, then you internalize yeah, I, it. I, I'm pretty sure I was. I don't remember that specifically. And so I think then it makes a lot of sense. But everybody has intrusive thoughts, whether it's like, you know, randomly laying in bed with your partner and just like this random image in your head comes up of like you strangling them to death or like driving down the interstate and be like, I could just swerve into traffic and kill myself and right, you know, half a dozen yeah. people. Um, or, you know, or just voices saying you're a shitty person, you deserve to die or something. So some people, depending on your upbringing, might call that Satan. Uh, a psychologist would call them like intrusive thoughts and that could stem from depression or other things. Or if it's really destroying your life, that could start coming to characteristics of schizophrenia. But yeah, I, I don't think that it's it's a sign necessarily of diagnosable neurosis to have thoughts like that. If they're if they're yeah, destroying I, if they're I destroying don't think your so life. Either. Yeah. I feel like I'm pretty normal. Yeah, and if they're destroying your life, so. you know, talk talk to a doctor. But yeah. you know, I think everybody has random thoughts like that once in a while. Well yeah, um, I, I don't I mean like I get intrusive thoughts in the same like, oh yeah, I could I could just swerve into traffic and, and die right now. But not uh n- not to the sort where I feel like the voice is not me. Right, and that, that might be another big component of so, it. Psychedelics, interestingly enough, you do enough of them, like a really, really huge amount of them, um, you can get to the point where like you're not recognizing the own, like the the sounds that are coming into your brain. Like you have no idea where they're coming from. Or so if there's a part of your brain that is producing the monologue, there's another part listening to it, right? So if those two are separated enough, yeah, yeah. right, like you get the impression it's and, not and you. one's altered enough, mm-hmm. or both are altered a lot, yeah, you're gonna be like, oh, this is like I'm interacting with an angel or anything else, or a fairy or a or an elf. So we've used the term spiritual experience a few times. We've never bothered to say what the hell exper- spiritual experience you can't, is, dude. It's like describing an orgasm, or I could just, well, no, I no, guess you I can't. <laughs> I mean, you can it try. Just feels really yeah, good. Yeah, it feels really good, right? Yeah. What does red look like? I don't know. So it's like there, there are a few things that that it kind of is, and a lot of things that it's not. Um, and we could spend the whole time defining it. Um, well, if what you would really we say to someone who to? is like a Richard Dawkins who's never had a spiritual experience and is like, what are you guys talking about? To defend Here's Richard Dawkins, I think, has had what people, and I think even he would call spiritual experiences. But we could use a, a character of somebody like Richard Dawkins. Okay. 
Yeah, you could say exactly. Yeah. Here, I put some LSD in your water half an hour ago, or in your in your orange juice half don't an hour do ago. That. No, 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 drug someone no, no I'm not saying no. Never do this. But what you might say is like you're gonna you know buckle up. You're gonna have a spiritual yeah. experience. Even uh, if, if we're running this if to the you absurd, to it. Yeah, okay. um, and I'm not saying I didn't say do it I, in the hypothetical that we're talking to this. That's mm-hmm. that's that'd be one answer. No, no, um, no but if, so if in, you want to explain what what you mean by spiritual experience without drugging someone, sure. There are a few things I can I can bring up. I've sometimes that... heard of it as like a a loss of right. ego, where yeah, uh, ego death is yeah. one one aspect of many. So let's there say you feel connected with the universe uh... rather than as a separate being. And I think you can have that without the loss of ego. Um, and that, I, I think that would still count. Yeah, not um, all spiritual experiences involve that. I mean, mine when God was looking out for me certainly didn't. Yeah, and you know, like but I then think there's others that I've had, which surprisingly were on alcohol, where I did lose ego and was just entranced by the world. Okay, so here's a bunch of a- attributes I can attribute that to to a spiritual or numinous or mystical experience or whatever you want to call it. A big one would be like a sense of like cosmic unity or oneness or just like being like the the separation between like you and your situation is not really there um you know i am you you are me uh you know we are the couch i am the universe i'm me that feeling um where i is everything and me is also everything um i think so, that one's pretty uncommon though <laughs> people I mean, don't speak about having that one enough. often i'd say that's like the, the top main tier. one or oh, the main one no th- that like if you're saying like oh man like i felt like i was everything and like i was the universe and that's as close to like a binary you were you weren't having a spiritual experience or mystical ex- or whatever as i can get but um i mean there, there's a there's a bunch of other things um so there's like transcendence of time and space right so it's like i don't feel like i'm within this like the normal experience of time that i usually have or or uh spatial um understanding so like bliss ecstasy that sort of thing would be the next one um just like extreme uh like massive flooding of of an emotion of gratitude is is really common right uh one of the attributes is just ineffability it's is really hard to explain right if this sounds like nonsense well it sounds like nonsense. Sorry, I, I I don't know what to do for you. Say here, eat this plate of mushrooms. You can what? <laughs> I was gonna say I think you can try and and pump the intuition using examples that people can relate to. You could you could ask you know have you ever been with somebody that you love and you reflect on how much you love them to the point where you can bring yourself to tears by just reflecting on that feeling and the bond. I think you love people a lot more than I do. Well, uh, I don't I don't cry a lot, but I I I. I, I, I can occasionally have an emotion about you know or a, a, a physical expression of a, a, a physical expression it's be my new ringtone from when Stephen calls I can occasionally have a feeling um, well, like I'm also like not huge in day to day of like having tons of feelings um, so I but I I can have them so like yeah I sound like a robot describing it but whatever but I I also can have them strong enough to write uh, physically express them but i think other people at least know what love is may, may you know if you don't you can find another feeling like gratitude or pleasure and say yeah so picture that but picture it amped up to a level that you have never experienced before but you can at least they have like something to start with so it's not purely ineffable you can have this moment whether it's on a drug like ecstasy or lsd or mushrooms or just through reflecting on it but you think god i love my whether it's my child or my parents or my partner and 
have this moment where you think, man, the world is full of people who love each other that much. And like, that's, that's kind of a deep thought that can get you going. I don't know if that, that has the same intangibility as some of the quote, spiritual experience stuff, but I think it's a good intuition pump. I was once asked by a Christian regarding like the world and evolution. How can you believe that all this made itself? Like, where is the wonder and everything? And I was like, first of all, ignoring the made itself comment, I was like, I think you're completely missing evolution because when I think about the world and how it just springs from basic physics and the interaction of atoms in suns brought about this world and then like the creation of life and how interconnected I am with everything, it it brings me to this place where that I do feel like that that has been some of my more adult spiritual experiences, this connection with everything and with how things manage to work out the way they are because of how these little tiny molecules interact and i don't know i was like how can you how can you think that like yeah some god waved his hand and made it is a more spiritual explanation than the actual physics and biology that we have that is so much more intricate and beautiful than i say let there be light and there is light you know that's just some dude waving his dick around to attest again to Dawkins having spiritual experiences, the last chapter of uh, the greatest show on earth hits that tone, and that's that's the whole point. In fact, I he heard dissects... that was like his best book, or at least among the top three. I liked it a lot. Really, I've only read a handful of his books, um, but basically, like the God Delusion got him popular in some circles, and but that's a book about something that bugs him that he doesn't like, and so the tone is very different. Um, I recommend Unweaving the Rainbow all the time. Um, that's a book about something that he loves and that he wanted to share with people. Uh, the grand, or not the grand design, the uh, the greatest show on earth is another version of that. Um, but there's a there's a context of like fighting back against you know creationism and stuff in that. But yeah, that that is the majesty of the universe, right? And yeah. that's a much better story yeah. than you know. Yeah, you're a pawn on a chessboard, but the chess player loves you. Um, and the other guy's a you know the other player is a dick and he doesn't like you. Uh, like that's not a really interesting story. And either like are any of the origin myths, right? I mean, they're, they're fun and they're culturally relevant or whatever. I'm not going to shit on everything, but they're not the, the, the real majesty of the story that science tells us about our, our origins and our, uh, our place in the universe is super gratifying. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that gratifying, that gratification, that, that sense, in fact, gratitude, I think this is actually one of his books, maybe it was Dan Dennett's, that that feeling of gratitude might be one of the causes of religion being popular. Cause like, who do I thank for this? Like, you know, you reflect on this and you do this without the context of, of science and understanding. And you're like, where do I, who, who gets the props for this? Right. This is awesome. And reality doesn't have someone for you to give props to. So you just think, I'm just glad this happened. You know, that's, that's a sort of profound insight that can lead to that sort of spiritual experience kind of thing. Right. Um, you spend enough time thinking on that, and especially if you do it in a week by your, you know, in in silence under pretty trees or something, and you think, "Holy shit, this tree that I've been sitting under for the last two days, we share a grandparent, right? Like that's nuts." And and that's that's I I'm struggling to articulate part of the ineffability of this kind of experience, right? Mm-hmm. It's one thing to like understand that on a text on a textbook, just like you understand that the Battle of Hastings was in 1066. Like it's just like a random trivia, right? Mm. Is that the right year? Anybody yeah. know? Good. Yeah. Is that the random fact that everyone always generates when they think of a random fact or why is that so popular? Uh for me it's because of the whole sexy back song that they redid it to Battle Hastings. I definitely am not familiar with that. <laughs> oh, so it's a great perfect. 1066 <laughs> Battle of Hastings. 1066 <laughs> Battle of Hastings. Uh I mean, it's great. 
the, the way I usually uh, break into this conversation is uh, like, oh, well, now that I know what a sunset is, I can't enjoy it. Right? It's, like, <laughs> it's, it's, clearly, it's clearly not true. Like, I know what a sunset is, and I still think they're really pretty. And I don't, I don't think it really has... And honestly, I don't think like knowing what a sunset is makes the sunset more pretty in the moment or less. I, I think those are th- those are separate enough in my mind that I don't I don't think I really need to bring that into it. And I don't need to bring what science teaches us about the universe in order to like ha- have this amazing experience with a tree or something like that. Maybe that can enhance it. And I'm not going to shit on it. Uh, uh, I, uh, yeah. Right. But I think that's still that's still a few steps away from. I don't know, like a really deep internal or external feeling um, that has nothing to do with your knowledge about the the situation, right? And um, in some cases, I, I might even say like you having like bringing in your like your scientific knowledge, and you're like, here, yeah, no, I can compartmentalize this in this way, and like sometimes that's beautiful and wonderful. It's like, okay, yeah, you can totally do that, and then that expands your understanding. But sometimes that's really distracting from just the experience you're having. The intense experience is itself so overwhelming that like you don't if you have room to to have those thoughts then you might be missing out on a part of it maybe not but um i I just kind of wanted to put that in there as a sort of almost disagreement um i think it depends on both the person and the situation right well and and i think i do see where you're coming from and Mm -hmm. and you're right for me i was anchoring a lot in like science and stuff not because i think that's where all spiritual experiences come from or that's where they all need to end up but that that can be that science itself is spiritual well, it you know, no, or can be certainly <laughs> can be sure, but but I think that that's y- not in, the goal. Y- no, no, that's not the goal. And and like you know, Nate, like your understanding of nature can be can can pump those intuitions. Is what I was trying to get at. So like yeah. I was trying to think of like to the most secular person. If I was talking to Richard Dawkins, luckily he had this conversation with us in a book. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I was talking to the stereotype of like you know the cold, unfeeling scientist, Richard Feynman nothing is mere right like nothing's merely you know refracted light um so like if you're trying if you're trying to to destroy the beauty of a rainbow or a sunset by saying well isn't it boring now because we know how they work it's like no man it's really fucking cool are you kidding me like what's what's a more fun story like oh god thought you'd like those colors um or uh technically god was promising not to drown everyone in the world again (laughs) it'll be fire next time yeah there's another understanding to take it from though and to say man i really understand how this works and my brain likes the colors and it's really cool and look at you know my angle from me to that to the to rain over there can and the sun behind me can show me the spectrum of colors like that's that's really kind of cool again i don't think that's all and you're right like man some spiritual well, experiences I, I, I think i i think that understanding it might even just distract like i think you have the feeling and then you're like why am i having this feeling oh the light and uh, refraction and then you get the, these colors and like that's that's you kind of like running from the experience and going into like some sort of like cognitive exercise that you don't need to do you can just have the experience i I absolutely see what you're saying okay i see how that's a disagreement and you're right right Um, yeah so maybe like maybe just the experience is more valuable i think it's harder to remember if you're if you're not doing that if you're not like putting it into compartments and whatnot and when i said that when i said that you're right i meant that you're right in that you're making a point that is absolutely valid not that i'm not that i'm recanting everything that i said but that that's a different dimension and you're absolutely right that is that i'm missing a huge ingredient by not including that kind of thing because you're right if you're in a sense grounded enough to articulate what's happening 
especially if we're, we're talking about psychedelic drugs, like if, you, if you're far enough out to where you can't describe it anymore, then you're really having an experience, right? I think I may have a far more narrative sort of linguistic type of thinking than you guys do because my best spiritual experiences have been including things like thinking about how my ancestors viewed the moon and how scary it must have been to be in that kind of time period. And it would not have been the same spiritual experience if I was just looking at the moon. The fact that I was having all these thoughts and relating them to culture and history made it far more profound for me. I think we're describing different kinds of experiences, but they can both be in the spiritual uh, circle, right? Yeah. Can um, you can you make a, a strong distinction between something that's like mind blowing and mm -hmm. something that's like spiritual? Can you do that? I can't do that. So like mind-blowing in the way you're like, holy shit, I never realized that before. That kind of changes the way I think about X, well, no, Y, no, no. and it Z was, it was both. or something, right? I mean, um, the, uh, the closest I can think of is when I went to the temple at Burning Man. That was just legitimate emotion blast without any sort of cognitive thing going on there. And even that's not true. Even there, I had some... The fact that I could think about things and regret things and want things in a literal thinking about words sort of way made it different. And that was probably the most spiritual thing that's happened to me in at least a decade. Hmm. I, th I think they're a little different. So like I, I can read something and be amazed and be thinking about it for years later. Um, first time I read Meditations on Moloch, that was, mm. that, that was pretty mind blowing. It's like, whoa, like all these things that I've thought before just in better words and like artistically done and like, holy, like that's a really big deal. I'm going to like glom onto that. And then like having a really powerful experience that has nothing to do with words or, or even like cognition or it's, it's basically just feelings. Mm -hmm. it, they're pretty qualitatively different, I'd say. Mm -hmm. um, although there, there's a lot of overlap because then like when I reflect upon like this, I was like extremely um, like thankful, like, like at that time, like that can change the way I think about a lot of things. It's there, there's huge amounts of overlap either way. So do yeah. you, I'm assuming then when you have sex, it is far more of just a physical sort of emotional thing. Yeah. I don't always have words going through my head. I mean, so most of the time I have an internal dialogue, right? If, if we're just talking about how, how I think right now, but yeah, when things get like ramped up enough, do you remember the last time you were like really, really angry maybe? Yes. Okay. Were you thinking in complete sentences or, or words even? I... Was it like weird grunts and stuff? <laughs> I had then, trouble getting home because I could not navigate from work to home, <laughs> even though I've done that literally thousands of times. That, that's amazing. Um, yeah. So, like, the last time I was like really, really mad. That that, that was something I noticed. Um, and I think I think that's that's one of the that's that's an emotion that kind of takes over a lot of the time. Like, I don't think a lot of people. Um, have like happy just take over um but though, like it's awesome when it does it's great uh, it's it might be it might be a form of mania but i don't care it's great you should you should just let it happen and, well i mean um, even at the time both at the time and looking back on it that is the least human i've ever felt <laughs> was when like i i couldn't even get home and i couldn't articulate myself or anything it was just anger that was that that is not so, a thing so that I yeah you, you, but like did you you didn't have an internal monologue is that what you're saying like were the words shut off right you weren't thinking in the language there was definitely still some language in there because 
I, I, I realized it, it was like frustrated and simple single syllable words because I, I could tell that I couldn't get home and this was an issue. <laughs> but uh, no, there was definitely still words That's in really there. That's really funny. Okay, yeah. so um, I'd say in, in a lot of cases, yeah, you can go through that feeling. A, a, a lot of different things and lots of mixtures of different things and whatnot. And it's not going to be like, you're not going to be able to explain it to somebody else later because it wasn't in words. So pushing it through that... A compression algorithm is just like it, you can't it's really hard right it's, it's super lossy i I'm, I'm suddenly feeling like i may have found one of these places that has a universal human experience i've never experienced maybe maybe you haven't right here take this plate of mushrooms uh, <laughs> and, and uh, so like I'm, I'm a big fan of like the heroic dose too right so like what, what heroic is the heroic dose, dose? Is, that's like a really really large dose right oh, okay. so um for for mushrooms it's like five plus grams i mean like a normal dose is like an eighth of an ounce, whatever that is, um, is like pretty normal for a night. Um, and that'll, that'll be like a mildly, like you might slip into something, you might not. Five grams is like, that's a that's a heavy, you'll be there for a long time. If I can um, have ecstatic spiritual yeah. experiences without completely taking away my linguistic ability, I'm okay with that though. I don't, yeah. I don't feel like I need to get to this whole wordless place that you're talking about. No, you don't need to. I think that's a new place that is valuable for you to go though i think it's i think it's a new place that's valuable for other people to go i can um, somewhat second that to yeah. the limited experience i have with that do you remember when we were hanging out and oh, i could yeah, barely yeah, talk yeah um <laughs> that it wasn't i mean i had a hard time getting my brain to talk to each other enough to like i mean i was limping around like i could barely there, there are periods right like you know you'd ask how i'm doing and I'd give you like a shaky thumbs up yeah but um I think I just I, I want to protest that I think we're losing something if we say to have a spiritual experience you have to go that far. I don't think you have to. I think that we kind of disagreed that I was pushing hard on like the science and understanding and being able to have that articulation as being one kind of experience. Okay. Um, and, and Jenkins, Jenkins has a lot more experience. Back. Well, he's pushing back not from outside the ring, but from a different part of it. You know, imagine if you had a, an experience so positive that it was like that angry drive home, right? I don't know, something happened and you're, you literally can't tell your friends about it because it was just like, I can't even describe it to you. I, just, I, I couldn't describe it to myself while it was happening. If that angry experience was a good experience or a positive emotion, that's kind of maybe closer to what this is talking about. Does that hit right? Yeah, that sounds about, I mean, I've had that though. I was just able to talk about it afterwards. Hmm. Then you haven't had it, then man. I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, right. All right. <laughs> no, man. Yeah. We'll start gatekeeping on this. <laughs> now, okay, so here, here's another one um, that I want to hit. A lot of the time, this experience will feel somehow more real than normal waking life. So like whatever it is that makes you notice that you're in the real world or that you're real or something or what you're experiencing is not a dream, right? Yeah, it'll feel more like that. I think that, that's one of the things that especially religious experiences, um, psychedelic drugs and whatnot can like really fuck with your intuitions. So like if you're interacting with some sort of like elf in hyperspace, um, which DMT can do to you, it's really hard to come back from that and just be like, that wasn't real because it felt more real than this conversation we're having now, right? In a really weird way. So you can't just rely on like, does this feel real or not? Like you can in a lucid dream or something. You're left to your intuitions and your intuitions are, are kind of fucking with you in that mm -hmm. sense. Which makes a lot of sense why like people would like, want to die for this right like they're like this is really really important and to be me, so yeah. convinced that it's true mm -hmm. that god yeah. really does exist because mm -hmm. it just feels so real yeah right it, it's really hard to talk somebody out of it 
when they're like feeling the presence of the presence of the Lord. Um, so the the feeling of uh, the sacred uh, is another one, right? So like this is really important. Whatever, like what I'm experiencing now is is insanely super important. It's it's more important than these other things. You know, similar to like it, not only is it more real, you know, people need to know about this. Uh, it's hard to not be preachy about it. I fail that a lot. I end up. <laughs> Just being like God, no, like you don't understand. Like this is a big deal, um, and it is. Like I, I think it really is a big deal in the sense that, like, it, it's a really big deal to me. I can't make my experiences be a big deal to you. That's not going to happen at all. But for for me, it opened a lot of doors in a lot of ways that were hugely positive um, in like a long term sense. Can Can you elaborate on that? For me personally, it was uh, taking lots of mushrooms many times. So it was like heavy doses. Yeah, a lot of times. And I'd say the main biggest one is like I'm a lot nicer. There were people that liked me and thought I was funny a long time ago. I, I don't I don't know if anybody would call me a nice person, you know, pre twenty. So like and I know like most teenagers are assholes, but I mean like I like really leaned into it. Like I was just like, No, fuck other people and most of that was just from like I had a like a better sense of empathy. I could connect with other people in a in oh, after a better the... way. Yeah. Okay. So after after this experience, I could um it started to bother me if other people were feeling bad, right? Instead of just like I could notice it maybe sometimes. Like I could I could notice it more and then it bothered me more if it was bad or something. So like both empathy and compassion compassion, right? So like empathy is like the ability to understand what other people are feeling. Um compassion would be like the desire the desire for them to, to be feeling the best, whatever mm-hmm. it is, um, that is the best for them. Um yeah, I, I, I would say... Do you say, think that was just a long-term structural change in your brain brought on by the drugs? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do. Because, um, <clears throat> so, and, and part of it coincided with me, like, growing up. You know, I, like, it, it was around the time when I was about to graduate college and, and you know, started living on my own and with, you know, in, in other capacities. And I, I was I was more of an adult at, at that time. So, like, I can't just isolate it and say, like, it was right. just the mushrooms or it was just growing up or something like that. Right. But um, I do think it was mushrooms played a really, really big, big part of that. Well, um, I think I think part of it, too, um, I want to interject briefly. One, mm-hmm. that when I took a mild dose of LSD, that was, uh, and people would argue that milder dose is mild. But for me, mild was one hit. And... That was how I tried to describe it was, you know, other than like the visual artifacts, there was this sense of profundity to everything. Mm -hmm. Like this feels really important. Like I remember we were eating lunch and I watched a raindrop hit the table. And like, it's not like I felt like this cosmic connection with the universe or anything insane. It was just like, that was, that was profound in a way that, you know, kind of escaped description. Um, But maybe what helped and maybe tell me if I'm on the right intuition here that maybe one of the things that, that jogged, jogged your, your empathy meter into functionality um is having stepped outside of yourself and you know realize that maybe from a from an experiential sort of way you know not been you for an afternoon right mm. um i don't know honestly uh i think it was, i think it was more just being able to notice things better and caring when once i noticed and i don't i don't know if yeah it, me stepping outside of myself and in, in that sense did that yeah, it's hard for me to tell, honestly. I, I, I don't know. Well, sort of the the nature of what we're describing entails that it's hard for you to tell, right? Right. right. So, <laughs> I, I suppose another way I can express this is like my like general behavior is like you know life's kind of a zero sum game, and you know if if I win, it kind of means somebody else has to lose, right? Which is I think a super fucked up way of looking at anything because it's it's not true at all. Yeah. 
I mean, you can just think of like two separate people. Okay, now they're friends. Nobody lost in that situation, right? Maybe one person won more than the other person because the other person was more lonely or something. Uh, that's a win-win situation. I mean, basic economic theory is yeah. like lots of win-win can happen. So that was that was super valuable for me. And I, specifically for mushrooms, I've I've never gotten anything like that from from LSD on the few times I've tried it or or DMT. Um, DMT is just weird. I mean, and you'll get like powerful feelings and and interesting experiences and i can describe that to you in a little bit but please um, do yeah yeah sure totally but i kind of want to keep hitting this yeah, point yeah. like it can so like it can change you it doesn't have to in my experience all of the changes i can notice are positive uh it's possible that degrading specific neuroses i had you know like uh habitual like negative self-talk and whatnot maybe that eroded like some source of motivation that i used to have um but I don't like, I still feel like I'm a pretty motivated individual. So if it did that, then not enough for it to cause me real problems that I can tell. And probably worth the trade-off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at least for me. And, and this is part of the reason why, like, I end up suggesting them so often is because I end up like, I'm constantly talking to nerds, right? Fucking nerds all around me all the time. <laughs> uh, no, and, and that, nerds. that like, like, and one thing I notice is that like they're they're usually like pretty sharp and not very good at like some sort of like emotionally connecting with people in in certain ways. Sometimes it, I'm painting with a broad brush here, but I think like these are the people that I think can can really really benefit from this because it's like oh I can have a deeper connection with uh, with other people and you know richer. A richer emotional life and and better relationships and blah blah blah. Um, like I was just better able to like notice my own emotions when I felt them and feel like I I feel more now. So I don't know if it's just like me knowing that I'm feeling better because some people aren't aware of this, but you can feel things and not know that you're feeling those things. It's really weird. Yeah, you you it's different parts of your brain. I don't I don't know how you want to say it, but but that's pretty important, I think. So. Um, I, I also appreciate like music and art and like all, all forms of visual art a lot more in, in a stronger sense. So that's what um, I can pretty much just boil it down to like mushrooms, like lots and lots of mushrooms <laughs> oh have, have done for me. Okay. Right? I, I, and I mean, there were a few times that were like, that were definite like watershed moments where I was like, oh, I'm doing this and I need to stop doing that. Or like, oh, I'm maybe not doing enough of this or, or something. Um, but it's, it's not like you'll take this, you realize it and like you'll immediately be a different person usually that's not the case. <laughs> you still have to do the work to like fix yourself. Mostly I would say it, they're like really powerful introspective tools, at least for me. LSD, I haven't, I haven't gotten anything like that on that. I feel like I can maybe, maybe like understand the world differently in a different way. You were talking about having like fractalized thoughts in a way uh, a, a while ago. I'm a really big fan of this one guy's music and it's really good. And I, I was listening to this album and I realized like every side of this, because I was listening to it on vinyl, because I think I'm better than you. So I was listening to it and I was like, every side of this album like contains the essence of this album in it. And I was like, whoa, wait, no, no, no. It's really every song. 
and like <laughs> oh my god it's every like, note oh my god <laughs> like this like, like it's every and then like i can zoom out and be like yeah but like the like every album like contains like the essence of so uh i learned the 72 names of Derek vincent smith that day <laughs> and it, was, it was it was really great um but l- the whole like fractalized self-similar sort uh, sorts of lines of thinking i think i think of fractals as like the most psychedelic thing like when I'm trying to characterize what psychedelia is, fractals are like that's that's as close as I can get to like no like that's it that's the essence of it it's the infinite self similarity it's the you can find like infinite complicated interesting um, aspects in like a a teeny tiny fraction of a of a spot right I think that it's so, pretty close to if I had to articulate it yeah I spent it's hard to gauge it on time. Uh, somewhere like a third of the day thinking about basically one thing and it just kind of it kept going in and I realized that there's more and more layers to this and that I can keep going deeper and deeper into this thought and I liked the fractal imagery for it too because everything kind of felt like there was like these weird shards that could go off in a thousand different directions but I kept just going down this one way and yeah that that, that hits it pretty well uh oh Another aspect of like a mystical experience would be like paradoxicality. You can you can be experiencing two seemingly um, conflicting like emotions and thoughts and understandings of things without really realizing that they're conflicting or like they conflict, but they don't really conflict. Uh, that, that's about as well as I can uh, explain it to you. Um, so with all this talking we've been doing about spirituality and drugs, I guess, and they're not same as, thing, man. All right. <laughs> Really, I, like I, it? I, I mean, you can, you can separate the two, but not really. I'm pretty well convinced that most religions kind of started through like some sort of shamanistic source at the beginning. I'd be really surprised. Um, I, I, no, I mean, I suppose like you can, you can do these things if you just like starve yourself and and whip yourself yeah, and yeah. you know. There's uh, lots of ways to get yeah, it. Yeah, sure, I guess so. Um, like yeah, <laughs> just you can, a little bit you harder. You can like feel so bad and think you're gonna die that you can have one of these experiences for sure but um it's a lot easier i mean especially if you think of like prehistoric man it's like well they either could have done that and they you know some of them probably did or just like find mushrooms growing out of poop so that's where like that's where like cubensis grow it's pretty likely um lsd was uh what was that 1930s when did albert hoffman first synthesized that no idea i don't remember albert hoffman swiss chemist amazing guy I, what's really interesting, you can look at the different molecules um, of like each of these drugs. So like like you can compare serotonin to to DMT, right? And there you can that's serotonin, that's DMT. This this does not well, help anyone who's no, listening to the podcast. But you can put pictures on the podcast. I don't know. Anyway, LSD is a much larger molecule than psilocybin, which is the active chemical in in mushrooms. And LSD like hangs around a lot longer. So like. All the girls listening that dye their hair red, you know that like red hair dye might like lingers a lot longer because the molecules are bigger. So when they latch on, they latch on for a really long time. They have a really strong bond. Um, so like the first time you wash it, it gets knocked out. So similar thing with LSD, right? It hangs around. Um, what do we What do we do with all this spirituality talk that we've been talking? Um, first, about? we start our own religion. Okay. <laughs> then we ask everybody to give us all of their money. No, no, no. Only ten percent. It's got to be uh, got to be maintainable. If they give us all their money, then they only give us the money the one time, and then they're broke. Dude, have you seen the Scientology centers? Right. Yeah. They're pretty loaded. Right? All right. You just got to get them involved enough that they want to. No. 
Um, I don't know. So I think the main point to get across is that you shouldn't believe in the Christian God because there's no reason to, <laughs> right? Right. Um, but like, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? Still understand that people can have these experiences. You don't need to be religious in order to have them. They can still be just as important to you. They can be just as important to the world, I think. Um, if like, you know, one person changing and being, you know, a much better person overall. Um, again, like this is like your mileage may vary and not everybody, not everybody reacts with these things that way. And there are a lot of people that, you know, take massive, massive doses of LSD all the time and they're still assholes. Like Mm -hmm. it, 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 it still happens. I think you still have to do the work, but I think it, it, it becomes really difficult to lie to yourself about how you are and, and what you're, what you're doing. And, when you're experiencing something like that, and that can be really valuable. But um, just outside of that, like it's really interesting. Like it's it's valuable in the same way that like an orgasm is valuable. Like it can just be valuable for itself. It doesn't need to be this external thing that affects more people. It can just affect you and be good for you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I still see the value in that, and I think people should should seek those out. <laughs> Apparently, meditation is a really good way to get get there too. I've never, um, I, I've had a few weird experiences meditating, but I don't, I don't meditate enough to really know. I mean, I've heard it's good, but it also takes a lot of time and effort and which I just don't have to give right now. Most difficult things do. Yeah. Well, I mean, from what I've heard, I can take a lot of mushrooms and approximate (laughs) the effect of, of years of meditation. Probably not the same thing, but okay. But yeah, maybe like an ego death sort of situation. Basically, I just I just want to say like people that don't think they're valuable, you're wrong, right? Like they they are valuable. They would be valuable to you, not necessarily the same way. Like a lot of people take mushrooms and not like them and don't like them. Um, and you know I I think those people are wrong. <laughs> no, uh, I, I think I, there's a lot of value to be had in spirituality, but also it shouldn't become the most important thing ever where you dedicate your life to joining a monastery like i some i sometimes feel really bad about the amount of human effort that has been wasted pursuing religious things and and these spiritual things i'm like as opposed to i don't know spirituality is really great and all but of a like lifeless human like machine i, I don't yes, know yes sure right? anything i don't no, know no, no, as, no, well so okay like, so my my parents went to visit uh tibet at one point mm-hmm. and they were taken to this place where um someone's footprints were in the wood like literally uh i think depending on you know how much pressure the various parts of his feet had put on the wood between a quarter inch and a half inch just completely uh indented into the wood which was had been worn away over the decades that he'd come and knelt in that exact same spot and the wood had just eventually worn away from the constant his feet being right there and like the monks pointed that and be like this is such an amazing thing look at how dedicated this person was and my parents were also impressed and i was like all I could think was how many hours of life were wasted kneeling there that... Well, it was by his choice, right? Like, yeah, it was by his choice. But first so, of all, he could have done so much more with his life. And secondly, he's being supported by the local peasantry. This is a waste of both a life and resources. And I think as awesome as spirituality mm-hmm. is, and I do think it's awesome, and I, I think we need some sort of... well. I would like to someday have some sort of common resource as a way that we can we can process these things, but I don't think it should ever get to the point where people are like dedicating their lives to it. It seems like just 
too I, much of okay, a so it's if, like the people who just do drugs constantly and don't do anything else because they're yeah, like man life is just about being high all the time like <laughs> no no there's other things too or running with the you are high all the time I mean, man you're high all the time i don't do drugs i am drugs <laughs> man that, that's dolly by the way uh, ah yeah, that's it. Anyway, um, I had a, cu- a couple quick things to add. I was mm-hmm. going to say just to bring your point home, we use the orgasm example as yeah. m- a meaningful experiences. If you just could take a pill that would give you an orgasm for seventy years and then you died, that might be a life wasted, right? Mm-hmm. It might be a fun yeah. life, but hey. it, well, I, I think I, it's possible to know to not to not know your, what you're missing out on, right? Yeah. Like if, if you're just having a ton of pleasure all the time, you might never really know other kinds of pleasure, like a good meal or loving somebody or something, right? So. I do think that, yeah, if you just find a way to stay high all the time, you're probably missing out on, on experiences worth having. But on the other hand, if you're never high, you're also missing out on something. Yeah, probably. I mean, so you, you asked what we do with all this spirituality talk. I think one thing is that I would like to, I guess, propagate the idea that you can have uh, meaningful, life-changing experiences and talk about them in ways that don't necessitate you being you having to identify with a religious context. So I kind of want to take back the idea that if religions don't, uh, if they didn't create the sense of, of, or rather, if they didn't, if they didn't coin it, they certainly seem like they own, they they claim to own it, mm-hmm. and and then and I don't think they get a monopoly on it. Um, religion has stolen a lot of things over the course <laughs> of the centuries. Well, and I think they it very well may buildings. It mm-hmm. it may well have started, yeah, right, architecture, art. Mm-hmm. It may well have started from contexts like that. Uh, you know, whether someone found mushrooms growing in poop or someone just realized. I'm I'm not a a practiced meditator to the extent that you know I spend a lot of time on retreats or anything. Um, I don't even spend that much time day to day practicing meditation, but I do introspect a lot and I do practice mindfulness. I think quite a bit. That's sort of um, I mean, there's a number of things that mindfulness does. You know, one thing in in essence, mindfulness is like paying enough attention to where your thoughts come from and how they where they go. That it makes having it makes your internal dialogue third person rather than the first person and the the sense that the world is full of in a non hippie way the world's full of love people love their families their their friends and meditating on that thought doesn't take ten years in a cave you can do it in ten minutes and I think many people can be moved by that experience and you know then you sit behind somebody in traffic on the interstate on your way to work and road rage hits and you're like you know this person might be a prick they in fact they have to be because they fucking cut me off <laughs> um, but. I think you recognize really quickly the futility of that sort of of wasted cognitive effort, and if if that person isn't a complete psychopath, they have things that they care about too, and that that sense that they care about something is is valuable. So that's one thing that you can do with those with this insight that spirituality is important. I I might disagree with you fairly firmly that I don't think it necessitates drugs. Um, drugs might necessitate a spiritual experience. But, but I don't think that you you need to be high or have been high to have. Uh, well, excuse no. me, you don't have to have been I, high I on drugs. Been high. Like so you needed the, to. The door was shut before I had gone there, and afterwards, it's so so. Like I've had them without drugs, but only afterward. Sure. And it was like clearly very reminiscent and, and, and sort of thing. So, I mean that that's a that's a big improvement too. It's like oh now I can now I can have these experiences that I'd never had before, and pr- like I. I feel like I probably never would. Maybe like once I have a baby or something like that, uh, that that might be different. Well, really quick, that that brings to mind the last point I was going to make was that you know if if a drug spawned 
spiritual experience isn't enough to make you a new person. You know, like I said, you have to put in the work. I think it can definitely catalyze it. Oh right? yeah, for um, sure. So I mean, it it might never happen without them. It might happen in six weeks where it might have taken six years. You know, you can't if you just fix tried a problem that you don't know is there. Yeah, right. And or, so it or definitely you're not willing to admit is there or something, or just that you um, can't notice. Right. right so right. it, I think it can definitely kick off a lot of those those insights. I kind of want to push back on Eniash saying like that's a life wasted. It's like in in a certain case, it might be a life wasted. That's not really how I want to live my life. But if that's something you're not willing to to dedicate yourself to is like a full, complete understanding of your own experience and expanding that experience and having more uh, more of them, then like what is worth it, right? And if it's just like for other people, it's like okay, well then to what end, right? Like what, where where does that line of questioning end? Um, my own answer really is like if I'm supposed to be like be good. This isn't a great answer um, at all, but I see it as like, you need to be doing good on a lot of different levels, right? But like the first main one is like, you need to be good to yourself um, first and foremost before you can even really be be good at being good to the people closest to you. And then, and so on and so forth as you get to like people in your community, people in your country or, or state or whatever, and then like people in the world, which effective altruism, man, plug that. That's probably the best way to do you know, people on the other side of the planet. Um, but then, you know, you still have all those other levels where it's like you can't just abandon your community for the sake of kids in Ghana with malaria. I mean, you can, but um, your but you community shouldn't. is still going to exist, right? Um, yeah, right. I, I, I would say you probably shouldn't, but you know, other people might disagree. But the the spiritual f- fulfillment thing is like, I, I think that's probably how you can best be best to yourself, right? I don't think just like devolving into a pit of nihilistic uh, despair acquiring more money to buy more money right. with it yeah is is really you don't want to become right. a rick right 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 right. <laughs> right you love that show because it's so deep and philosophical right mm-hmm. it's yeah i i like that show because the fart jokes are amazing <laughs> we <laughs> so, got oh right we disagreed right, on yeah, right, yeah right yeah you're like oh it's this that, i was like show, that's the I'm best like, episode ever you're like, like there were no jokes in it no like yeah the jokes, well to be fair you have to be very intellectual to understand rick and morty yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nothing personnel kid. We, we totally gotta um, have an episode where we just geek out about rick and morty to, to qualify that last line was a joke from a meme about rick and yeah. morty fans Right. Very high IQ. We Chance should over to, what we should we should probably wrap, wrap up, up okay. unless you have something to wrapping um, up. Well, so uh, some people might argue. Um, I've never done ayahuasca. Ayahuasca is basically uh, DMT over a long period of hours. Um, it's sort of like taking an MAOI uh, monoamino acidase uh, inhibitor, I think, uh, and then uh, consuming a brew with DMT in it. So like it stays in your system. I, I think that's how it works. Somebody that knows better show. And that's the one where like you go down to Peru and you purge a lot and you have a shaman beat a drum and you know, like there's like a ceremony, uh, surrounding it, which I think, I think ceremony is good when you're about to do something. That's a big deal. Hi kitty. Hi. Um, (laughs) Oh, you're bad. He's so cute. Um, (laughs) uh, so I've never done that. Um, but a lot of people say that's like the center of the, the spiritual or the psychedelic experience. It's, um, the most helpful. Um, I wish I could talk more about it like firsthand. Um, but I can't, I have tried DMT though. And DMT is insanely weirdly just, it's just weird. I, I suggest reading, um, DMT, the spirit molecule by Rick Strassman. He's a scientist 
that uh, works at the University of New Mexico um, and ran like clinical experiments, just like giving this to people and be like, so like, what did you see? And huge variability. Um, a lot of it was people like interacting with aliens or fairies or, or things like that. So wasn't that a very common re- response? Super common. So like there was, there, like there was variability. 50%. Yeah. There's variability in mm-hmm. where they went and who they talked to, mm-hmm. but this sense but of going somewhere else and talking and to something interacting, greater. Yeah. Interacting yeah. with somebody. Right. Which that, is not, not super common. Like if you're, if you're on like mushrooms or LSD, uh, you have to be on like a lot to be like seeing other people you know things or, or having it's not really the same thing this is like a whole is a this, whole new thing is this would you like you're you're like folded into a new dimension would you recommend that you not do it unless you have someone sober around watching you well set and setting are important with so like any any time you're going to be doing something intense to your mind mm-hmm. make sure like you're in a good place emotionally and mentally right mm-hmm. i think it's uh like i wouldn't suggest these for depressed people or or people with bipolar disorder or like issues that you like really need to work out um because things can go wrong more often there can can i weigh in there really quick yeah uh two things one the cool thing about dmt one of the cool things is that the trip is begin begins and ends within 20 minutes it's not an all-day thing where you're out of it you 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 take it die of exposure or something while you're doing this now not unless you live in the south pole yeah um but like all of these things can fuck you up emotionally so like that's like there's still a risk but i I think it's really low you're we should probably uh, wait to talk about DMT until someone has done it. I, oh, I've done it a bunch of times. Oh, you have done it. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. You're I haven't. I haven't really done weird. ayahuasca, so okay, ayahuasca okay, is a different okay. way of. Um, it, it it's like similar, same drug, um, but like there, there's more drugs in there too. So it's it's not it's not just DMT. But um, can I dive in really quick about yeah, the yeah, emotional yeah. component or the the uh, mental comp- the mental background component? So yeah, set mm-hmm. and setting and all that stuff, um, but. At least from my own anecdotal experience, I found that with like mild depression, that tinkering with with psychedelics, I think kind of oh, it'll help you. Yeah, it, well, when it, it's mild depression, right? When it's mild. Right. Um, uh, so I and I, I yeah. don't know if it'll necessarily. I don't. I don't want to say that it will help. But if you're you. like suicidal, mm. right? Yeah. So I don't. I don't, don't want to say that it will help you because it, it might be your your mileage may vary, but. Um, it you know getting that that there's high potential for for benefits there i would say and there, there's high now potential. that the now that the uh the clinical study of, of some of these drugs is resuming uh there's there's uh clinical evidence to support that as well so you just mentioned about oh, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah not wanting oh, right, right. yeah yeah although there, there, there's some actual science you can look up like one study i was reading it was like 70 percent or something like that said like it was like one of the most like powerful amazing things that they experienced and this was with mushrooms i think it had like long lasting effects uh and then like the 30 percent that didn't like it and this was in a clinical setting so it might not have been best situation for them to be taking mushrooms uh the 30 percent like they didn't have like lasting negative effects i i'd say that's that's pretty promising um especially when you can control i'm not going to take this in a hospital i'm going to take this like with my friends or you know on my own or depending on what you want to get out of it like you can take them and go to a concert or you know an art gallery or uh you know a cathedral or whatever um or with a therapist maybe if you can get them to to talk to you while you're on drugs i I just had a transcendent your cat you should like totally do drugs with your cat I, I just, don't give drugs to the cat. I mean, no, just like no. hang out with your cat. I just like, had a transcendent spiritual experience with your cat just know, now. It just, it just licked really my hand, and that was pretty so awesome. so cute. Uh, <laughs> uh, here, can I finish with like uh, how I would explain DMT? 
Sure. So like first you kind of like fold into a new space and then you'll notice you're in a weird like pulsing glowing room and there's this child that's sort of like a cartoon child dressed in just pink and white and he's like pulling something out of a box saying we're somebody here and he puts content in the box. And after all your efforts to get away from them by turning inside yourself, you just turn in and in and inward, they're still there. Um, you're realizing that you have a body and you can open your eyes and you see your brother smiling at you. And uh, you've noticed that you've been vibrating into the pillow going and crying the whole time. So uh, was this your experience? Totally unable to process... Yeah, uh, like this, like full cocktail of like super powerful full emotions while you're reading all this. Yes, yeah, these are this is kind of like a compound of like two or three, but um, I think it gives kind of. I'm not sure if you if you bolstered or invalidated every point you made tonight. <laughs> <laughs> that, no, that's DMT. I don't. I I haven't extracted anything of strong value from DMT. Um, uh, even though, chemically, it's really similar to psilocin look up look up pictures of psilocin psilocybin and dmt you'll see that they're all very close to each other probably interacting with your brain in similar ways um but fuck so dmt is endogenous right so like it's produced within your body um which is makes it different than than all these others you know stop biting me buddy stop Stop biting. Uh, (laughs) don't edit these out just just leave all those stop leave the no biting hey hey kitty stop um there's so, actually a cat he didn't have dmt yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah right. i mean he yeah, might have had dmt too but face, there's right. also a cat <laughs> well like every living thing's on dmt all the time because well i i think I, you can find it in pretty much anything that's living so nothing is actually real and we're all brains well and vats right that so are DMT and, like it's all really weird it's it's very very weird um i and again like feels more real than real right I don't know. So that one, most of what I've gotten out of it is like, oh, your brain can experience way weirder things than you think it can. Like it can experience way more than that. Um, so I I haven't extracted any more value from that. But um, in this book I was talking about, I think there's a Netflix documentary, DMT, The Spirit Molecule, that um, explains it. Hosted by Joe Rogan, so you know it's quality. Um so that's that's DMT. I don't know if that's more or less interesting to you guys now um, to look into, but whatever. Well, cool. two hours a lot, and if we did, I don't think we had time for feedback, did we? Uh, no, we definitely don't have time for feedback. We can right. do this. All right, I'll build a force wrap up. Uh, I want to thank our supporter this time, so I get the credit, and you just get to repeat what I say as far as gratitude, because so far it's always been you. You're right, because I always have the names right in front of me. That's right. Special thanks to supporter Tim Sharp this week. It's supporters like you that keep us uh, keep the lights on in here and keep the episodes on the internet. So, Yay, um, thank you, Mr. Sharp. Yes, mm-hmm. and keep in mind that you can write reviews at iTunes, you can come on the website, you can come to the subreddit, you can write us emails. Um, we read every email. I don't respond. We don't have time to respond. Well, it's not time. It's like sometimes I mean to get around to them in episodes and we don't, or they're for feedback and we don't always get back to them. But everyone is read and appreciated. So um, don't think that they're just being left in the inbox. Um, that's all I got. Yeah, that's that's everything. Thank you guys for all your support and your reviews and ratings and all that. And um, we'll see you next time. Cool. Thanks. Hope this was valuable somehow. Bye. Bye.